I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on our journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Derek, Christmas time is here. I'm getting out my my elf knickers. I'm putting on my my big green hat and I'm going to go change a couple light bulbs around the house if you catch my drift. It's time to talk about the classic Christmas movie, Elf. Welcome to Wonder Tour. Santa is not here. You just got Derek and Drew, um, but we are back and we are talking about Elf. And yes, Santa is not here. I should say no, Santa is we not. We should have had Santa as a special guest this week. Oh, that would have been perfect. Uh, I heard he's a little booked up. Uh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, something this is time of year. Making some toys and traveling at a speed faster than light. So <laughs> yeah. That is a different rabbit hole. Oh, totally. All right. Well, let's get into well, Elf. We got to start with what do we love about this movie? I mean, this is this is quickly, I think, becoming one of the classic Christmas movies. Um, I I know this is one of the ones that, that my family watches every single year. I remember watching this in theaters and just cracking up. I don't even use, wow, I haven't used the words cracking up in a long time. I think I'm bringing myself back to 2003. But I do remember exactly that, just just cackling throughout the entire movie in theaters. This was hilarious. Oh, this is a real bust out laughing type, yeah, uh, movie. And it, it gets you with a few, um, I would say, these these moments where, you know, you're just like, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> but, you know, because, you know, why is it funny? Right. So I know we're going to pull back the veil on it. Get ready. Um, you know, it's funny because you'd never do that. You'd either be too embarrassed or you could not stop your internal controls. Right. Which keep you from doing crazy things like he does. Is that about right? Yeah, we all have systems that are built up. So anybody who has the ability to find this podcast and listen to it <laughs> probably has systems built up in their brain that there's they're really just structures of how the world works and how you operate within it around other people and stuff like that, right? So it's like it's almost like we are on a ride and that ride is on the rails and we control how we react to it. So like a roller coaster or whatever, most of the time we do not control where the roller coaster of life goes and how it works and stuff like that. We just control how we respond. Are we going to scream? Are we going to cry? Are we going to put our hands up? Are we going to cover our eyes? Um, and in this situation, Buddy the Elf is operating as if there's no rails. He's like playing bumper cars out there. There's no, well, not even bumper cars really, because I don't even know if there's like a big 
you know, metal cage that he's inside of doing this thing. I think he's just missing a lot of those basic mind structures that the rest of us have that would prevent us from doing this. A perfect example of this, right, is the the way that humans begin to cope with um, kind of project themselves, right? So with kids, they, they don't put up projections of themselves as they're when they're really young. Um, so they're very authentic in how they react to things as they occur. Whereas with adults, um, we are perhaps less authentic some of the time because we are maybe putting on a stoic face or something like that, right? We have the ability to control our thoughts into our feelings, into how we actually display that reaction to the outside world. And so we would not put ourselves into a lot of these situations. We would just be quiet instead. <laughs> oh, you got to be brave when you're an adult, right? You got to, you know, can't look stupid. Can't look silly. I don't think Elf cares about that. And that's really what we love about him. Um, now, in this uh, half of Elf, though, we are talking about something specifically which is that there's a risk to that. Um, so that's kind of the theme for today. I'm not sure how you want to get there, Drew, so I'm going to let you keep going. But I did want to preface that is that uh, today is kind of, you know, uh, wisdom out for magnanimous leaders that this is that there is a risk for curiosity uh, to being curious. And um, where do you want to jump into that starts to kind of build to that? Let's start with yes. a rehash of the dichotomy that we started working on in Loki. I think that's a good start. So number one, if you're just catching us this week for the first time in this or for the first time in this current series, uh, welcome. We are in a series on becoming curious explorers. So with that, last week we talked about the Loki TV show. And within it, we created a kind of simple dichotomy. Uh, you know, you could think of it as like a very rudimentary model for how we approach discovery. So, Derek, that model includes a kind of on one side, a naive approach and on the other side, a predictive approach. Do you want to take me and the audience on a real quick summary of, of how you understand that? Yeah, I mean, naive is, you know, just being totally open uh and totally you don't have any expectations you're just literally trying to soak it up um i think that's pretty good and then predictive is really that you know some things and you kind of think you know you know how it's going to go maybe with a few different pr predictions uh both of these are kind of sliding scales and the more extreme you get in either one of them brings consequences too much prediction, you become jaded. You're like, ah, this is going to go this way every time, blah, blah, blah. So you're definitely not naive in that case, right? And if you're too naive, you can get yourself into some trouble uh, because you may waste a lot of time or you may end up with also other consequences, uh, usually someone or something taking advantage of you. And, you know, you may have some other consequences from that. How's that? Perfect. So that takes us right into... Buddy the Elf. Buddy the Elf is like if you were going to build a robot and turn up the slider to 100% on curiosity, that would be Buddy the Elf probably. He is overly curious about every interaction, everybody he meets, everything he comes in contact with, right? He's always asking, 
why and how when and what am I doing with this thing? How does it relate to me? It's like think about how many things, you know, I, I consider myself a fairly curious person. And how many things do I come in contact with throughout my daily routine that maybe I've seen before or I've never seen before, but I've never been curious about? Right. That would not be Buddy the Elf. <laughs> he is curious about every little detail of every little thing. Yeah, I'm going to make it a little concrete here, too. And I'm going to say 80% naive, 20% predictive. And let's talk about, you know, hit the content of his predictive library. Um, he knows how things go at the North Pole. He knows elf culture. Uh, <laughs> and he assumes elf culture extends into New York City. <laughs> so, again, this is a predictive behavior. So... Um, he's getting some, you know, obviously some counter signals, you know, when he's there, but he's like, no, naive, his na naivete is overriding what he's pulling in there, right? He's, he's seeing these things that are con con contradicting his predictions, but uh, he's, he's got the naive slider up so high, it doesn't matter uh, to him. And so he has to get a lot of pushback. And I, I think that's what we find is, uh, is, is kind of funny about it, right? Yeah. Naivety keeps us, you know, too much naivety keeps us from making good predictions. That's what's happening here, right? He's the he's coming in with all of his priors removed on, in every situation. He has basic models in his head for how things work. And perf like you said, he knows elf culture and that's what he is assuming. So this is what we risk when we go too naive and then we try to also and then like the worst mistake you can make is going going with a naive model of just I don't know anything and I'm just going to learn and stuff like that. But then accidentally stepping, you know, and he well, not I won't say accidentally getting too excited and stepping on the gas on the predictive model while you're still in that naive phase. And so what's happening is he's seeing the situation. He's playing the naive model correctly, right, or how we would like to play it, where he's trying to understand everything. He's looking at everything with like wide open eyes and being like oh, wow, like, what is that? And how does that work? And he, he makes sure that he doesn't assume too much about anything. But then the problem is, as soon as he gets half an idea of how something works, as soon as somebody provides some sort of information to him, he's immediately mapping it on to whatever the closest thing he can find in his head is that he knows from the North Pole. And then he's using that North Pole model. He's like combining those two into a model and making a prediction. But the problem is, he, he doesn't have a good map. It, you know, it doesn't map on correctly when he's making that prediction. So it's like, you know, from our perspective, Derek, it'd be like me deciding to just plug in a bunch of random data to a predictive model and just like, OK, well, I'll just get this random data and force fit it into this uh, into this data structure so that it fits into this model. And we'll just see what happens. And then we'll decide, you know, we'll just close our eyes and sign off on the, the project based on, you know, sign off on the business decisions based on what it says. That's not how it works. Right. Like we need to be very careful when we're going to make a prediction that the information that we have fits our model that uh, that does the prediction. Yeah, I mean, that's why you have to have a good balance of and, and build and build your predictions, your predictive aspects of your curiosity very carefully um, or purposefully, I should say. Right. And be honest with yourself where you're still kind of naive and where you've got some experience. And uh, so I guess these predictions can be tantamount a little bit to experience, you know, knowledge. And ultimately, wisdom is is really I, I don't know what you think about this, but I think that, you know, wisdom is like this ultimate boiled down 
version of the best predictor because you're finding i think it's like a mega rule of the universe or something <laughs> I mean, it's about you know what wisdom is to me is like i know this is going to play out exactly like this no matter what happens you know because this is a mega rule <laughs> in the universe yeah. um you know and it's like you know you're like whoa you just stepped over this wisdom trip wire here um, that takes a long time, and that takes a lot of predictions that have come through, which are very they're they're similarly patterned, and then they lay on top of each other. You know, for instance, candy corns, universal food, you know, I mean, in the elf world, that's wisdom, baby. But in the universe, maybe not so much, right? Yeah, that's good. I love what you said there. Wisdom it, as a mega rule. That's I don't want to go too deep into it, but we we this is the water tour, so I want to talk a second about it. So yeah, wisdom. That's why I'm always kind of trying to back up the truth that we're trying to get to, or the you know the accurate prediction one level and then another level. So like I don't want to talk about things and specific situations most of the time. I'm usually into, and we do this every week on the Wonder Tour, right? We're into backing it out another level and then another level because when you try to when you get it to that meta level then you can kind of figure out how does this apply to these like universal constants that we understand these these theories we have or in some cases maybe even rules almost about that we have about the universe and then you if you can find the the high level universal rule that applies to this situation then you can just force it right back down to the lower level and feel then you know that you're you have discernment in that situation you're making the right decisions um there's none of that here though because like you said, like, there's like two different sets of universal rules. We're in this like whimsical place of the North Pole where it seems like the rules of gravity and stuff still exist. But uh, there's a bunch of other rules that don't seem to exist, or at least we don't seem to see them um, there. So then in New York, we have the real world and the real world is a bit, you know, a bit darker, a bit more cynical, it seems, as opposed to Buddy's predisposition. If you want to use the uh, the light and the dark analogy there, I think that's great. Um, well, and let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, Buddy hasn't had a lot of negative feedback. In fact, a lot of it has been, um, you know, kept from him. Really, they were. If you go back to his elf, his elf days in the North Pole, um, you know, before he returns later. Uh, you know, a lot of them were just talking about how different he was from them. Now, he didn't realize that. Um, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you've been different and, you know, you didn't realize it. You know, um, those are those are interesting moments. And I'm not talking about maybe even the way you look. It's just the way you think, you know, the way you look at the world. Uh, it could be a particular worldview, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Um, there's something there that's making you kind of not fit. And, uh, you know, that was held back from him. And I don't know, that's that's something that he experienced. He experienced a little bit of that. But then when he went to New York City, it's funny because he doesn't have these personal relationships with anyone. So he kind of resets. And in a way, you know, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, that, and that's the positive side of naivety, right? Naivety, too much naivety keeps us from making good predictions. 
but not enough, just like we said at the beginning, and we're kind of rehashing in this episode, and that's okay because that's what we do on the Wonder Tour, right? We're looking repetition plus variation helps us to learn. So we are kind of repeating some of the same models, but from a different angle that we've talked about on previous episodes here. But yeah, too much uh, or too little naivety will have us making predictions without enough information. So we'll be, um, you know, you're kind of coming in and, and you really get, in my experience, when you try to make predictions without enough naivety or without bringing that innate curiosity to the table, you get people who don't trust you because they're not going to trust your predictions because they they haven't seen you do the work to understand and make sure that this, like take it from this perspective. Here's a business example, right? Um, you're transitioning roles or organizations or whatever, and you're trying to pop in to this new team that you're leading and you know the you don't come in week one and talk you know talk to their in-flight projects and be like no do this instead of that right that's usually even if you are the world's foremost expert on that whatever that team does it's not proper or it's not really wise to walk in and start you know tinkering with things immediately because you just have these existing models in your head for how things should work and these this new situation should just adhere to those models it just it does not work like that you need to have some of that first that that curiosity that naive phase to understand how things operate you mean like miles finch (laughs) miles finch he walked into the room and he's like you're all wrong Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? In the movie. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, he walks in and he does exactly what you just said, which is, I know exactly what you're doing here, and this is a waste of time, you know. And the funny thing is, though, right, is that they had some ideas that were actually kind of on the tail of uh, what he was thinking, Um, only his were slightly different. Uh, But he was like, those ideas are terrible. Um, (laughs) And I, I just think that's hilarious because... You know, I, I, that's almost like a, a, you know, a projection of curiosity and really he's just doing trite things. But uh, but uh, I, I like your example there. I think it's it's totally true. You've got to know when to walk into a situation and, and tell yourself that, look, I'm not I, I'm going to be more on the naive side and less on the predictive side. So I don't be a jerk. <laughs> so, yeah. right. I mean, but look- want to boil it down that's pretty much what it comes off as right well we want to be magnanimous leaders right that's our that's our goal here working together to become magnanimous leaders to to bring up more magnanimous leaders in the world and if that's the case then we need to have this level of curiosity and this naivety in situations why because it helps us to develop buy-in i mean derek there's plenty of times when i get into a room and i think you know and and at the beginning of the meeting and at the end of the meeting, you know, it's a decision making or a problem solving type session, right? At the beginning, I make a prediction at, you know, maybe right or wrong and whether I should be making a prediction. My brain just jumps to it of, of how this story ends or how this, you know, this session ends. And then we go through this whole session and I, I, I still go in and put a curious face on. And so I still ask questions, even even though I think I might know where we're going and stuff. And, and a lot of times we do get to exactly where I had predicted. But there's a value in the alignment there and and proper curiosity brings alignment. And that is what we see. And that's kind of the resolution to this movie is actually Buddy's curiosity bringing alignment, right? He brings all of these people on board with the Christmas spirit. He 
brings his curiosity, which stems from, you know, the Christmas spirit to the world. But let's let's back it off maybe here and talk about like a specific situation. So I'm going to bring up one situation here and, and let's let's talk through a couple different situations. I'll let you choose whatever one you want next. But I want to start with talking about Santa's coming to town. Right. When Buddy is in the department store and he's talking to his manager, or whoever that guy is, and the, the supervisor and the supervisor is just like got his clipboard there or whatever. He's like 10 a.m. Santa's coming to town. And he's like, you better be ready. But he's like so monotone about it. And Buddy like hears this and he's like, Santa, I know him. He, he's just, he gets so excited there, right? Well, the, the purpose of Santa coming to town, whether it's, you know, this mall Santa or Santa from the North Pole, is to bring Christmas cheer, right? That's what Buddy's all about, right? He's, Santa is a piece of the Christmas cheer. He brings joy to people's hearts, he, especially the kids. This dude, this this manager is just like, he's lost that entirely. He's lost the purpose of the activity. He fails to be curious, right? He doesn't take that risk. He's just like, no, maybe you, he, what does he tell him? Uh, he says, maybe you should be this excited about work or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I want to say, I'm going to take just one brief moment here and say that this is really the difference between operational and vision making right here. I mean, if you if you really look at how this is approached and well that's just another product release you know that's just another blah 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 whatever it may be and that person says that keeps the machines wheels turning what about how the machine's amazing you know um you know and that's kind of the vision making piece of it and it's very misunderstood isn't it to from the operational side to the vision you know the vision caster um, and it's it's tough for the vision caster. It's easy for the operational person because they're just like, you know, well, I'm just going to think about these things, right? Put up tinsel, put up tree, put up snowflakes. Um, you know, why are you talking about the excitement around Santa? I, I mean, that's that's really irrelevant to me. I'm just doing this operation right here. I'm I'm putting these things in place. Um, and I think it's so easy to slip into that. And I've slipped into that. You know, we all have. Um, you know, it's not like we we can escape it, but we have to, you know. Oh, we, here's an example, Derek. Christmas. Yep. You're going to have a family over for Christmas or whatever, right? You're going to do an office Christmas party. It can very easily become procedural. And it it has for me, like, oh, my goodness, it does. It does for me. And that's. You know, this is a lesson that I need to take away from here. It becomes procedural. It's all about do we, you know, a checklist of things that we have to do. When we're done, we can finally, you know, exhale and sit down. And oh, now we just have to oh, wait till this is over with. It's like, no, this is the whole point of this is to share joy with people. It's, it's to build a great experience. Yeah. And let, but let's talk about I, I think there is. Um... You know, I, I want to get over to this thing that we talked about that this episode is about, right, which is the risk of being curious. Um, and so we'll talk about some things that come out of curiosity. Well, one thing I think specifically, let's just go to the moment here where, um, you know, his dad, James Kahn, you know, whatever, um, you know, he he opens up this gift from Buddy. And it's a, it's a piece of lingerie. Right. And he's just like, what? in the world um and so you know buddy has 
no priors of anything in a department store. Um, he's only seen the elf workshop, uh, Santa's workshop, I should say. And he's done the work up there in the North Pole, you know, et cetera. And he goes and he, he finds this, this, uh, I mean, to him, it's colorful. It's, it's fuzzy. It looks like fun. <laughs> um, and I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, he, he's like, oh, I'm going to wrap this up for my dad. He's going to love it. You know, um, I mean, think about it. I mean, think about what goes into that. And now in Buddy's case, I want to say that he did not feel he was taking any risk whatsoever. And I think that's refreshing. Now, practically speaking, I think we do need to be uh, aware, right, that curiosity has a risk and you're going to take some risks. Now, going back to your party example, Drew, I think I think this is one of the reasons that they think that things can be night. Sorry, mundane. Right. Um, if you think about what you bring into a family gathering, you know, everybody in there, you know exactly how they're going to react when you do X, Y, or Z. Don't you, or do you not? I mean, sometimes I think, what if I did this? Would it make it more fun? And when so-and-so get mad at me, (laughs) you ever had those kind of thoughts when you're in a family gathering or a gathering where, I don't know, you just want to make it more fun, don't you? Yeah, you just want to throw a wrench in the situation just to, to not, again, not to like see it explode, but just to see what happens. Like, all right, let's bring something crazy to the table. Yes, I do this all the time. And this probably doesn't come out on Wonder Tour. Maybe it sometimes comes out in the intros because I really only do it around people that I know very well. Because, I, again, like you said, I'm so um, probably for me, it's all about making sure that they understand me before I do it. But I will absolutely like I don't know what. I don't know what condition I have or something, but I will just go insane. Basically, I'm just I'm saying really ridiculous things that don't really link together. I'm making up stories about stuff, and it's just to get it's just to see like, can are they going to smile? Are they going to laugh? Like, what's is yes. this going to be? Is there any value in following this story arc of <laughs> following the story arc through to completion? Like, I just came up with this idea, <laughs> ridiculous ridiculous idea, right? I'll, I'll be vulnerable and share a, a dumb one that I had yesterday. I was just watching, I have uh, two beloved dogs, Quill and Jade. I was looking at Quill and I'm always making up stories about him because I don't know, I work from home and I'm, I'm around him all the time and he's always following me and stuff. So he's just like my best friend. I'm always talking to him and, and making up stories about him. And I look at him and I'm imagining that he has a prehensile tail and that he's swinging from trees <laughs> around through our neighborhood. <laughs> And I don't know why I came up with that idea, but I had to, you know, just bring it up with my wife and start talking to her about it. It's just right. I just was like, you know what? Like, we're just sitting here. It's a mundane kind of a night. You know, we were just we're tired from work and stuff like let's throw a wrench in this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's exactly it. I mean, it's just that you want to, I don't know, inject a little bit of entropy by, you know, being curious and and kind of, yeah, you 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 almost make up something. And, and sometimes Frankly, you 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 box up a piece of lingerie. You don't even know. You don't even know you did it. But, you tr- you know, you tried. You took the risk uh, and you're like, oh, this is OK. I'm just going to backtrack a little bit here. And how about the weather? Uh, that sounds fun to talk about. You know, it's funny how we, we kind of fall back to, OK, OK. So I know that they're going to be OK if I talk about this. Um, you know, and it's, it's conditioning. It's like conditioning coming back from, I don't know, other adults that maybe aren't as comfortable with being curious, but 
those of us that are, are like, you know, I think it's, I think that's when it turns more to be an endearing quality. And we're like, that's really nice. You know, I, I, it's nice to see them take a risk on that. And I know what they were doing. You know, it's like a, it's almost like a, uh, a brotherhood or sisterhood of curiosity uh, of sorts. Right. And then you just kind of know you're kind of in this club and uh, you, you know what each other's going to do uh, to some extent. You don't know exactly what, because that's obviously the nature of being curious and trying crap. Right. Um, will this stick on the wall? You know, uh, yeah. I mean, you don't know. Out. Sometimes it falls flat. Right. That's it's that's part of it. Game. Yeah, it's, it's a, a risky risk. game. Yeah, so yeah. I'll give one more example because I think this is funny and I would appreciate it now. Uh, my my grandma would have appreciated it considering she always was really, really funny. Um, she always bought we, – we have a huge family, especially on my mom's side, and she always bought everybody presents. Um, and it was always so funny to see what she was going to buy because sometimes it was more practical and sometimes it was more – you know, she just thought you would think this was hilarious. And one year she bought one of my cousins – um, one of a good friend of mine, she bought him a banana hammock. <laughs> Think Borat, if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. She that was part of his gift was a banana hammock. And I, let me tell you what, that was the highlight of Christmas for like 50 people was that she bought Spencer that, that banana hammock. Everybody loved it. Spencer was wearing it over top of his clothes and running around. You know, it it just brought so much joy to people. And right, that was taking a risk. That was taking a huge risk because it's like, oh, this could be really weird and. But, oh, my goodness, it was, you know, I'm sure she just found it while she was walking along at a store one day and was like, I'm going to find something funny to do with this. And then she took takes the risk, puts it out there, and it was – people still talk about it, of course, to this day. I'm bringing it up right now. It was one of the funniest things that I can remember happening at a Christmas gathering for us. I love that. And and that has been done to me before. So I, I think this is so <laughs> relevant, right, because this is the time where you are giving gifts to people. And you are taking risks and, you know, there is some, uh, you know, creativity, curiosity. I don't know. It's, it all lives inside of a question mark in my mind. <laughs> so, well, let's talk um, about risk really quickly here. Cause we, we've introduced the idea of risk and I really am a, right now. I will say, cause I might come back around on this. I'm against the idea of doing a series in wonder tour on risk because it, gosh, risk is just so misunderstood at least, to me, it seems like we're so focused on risk mitigation. You know, we're going to have insurance for everything. We're going to have blah, 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 that we don't we forget that the purpose of risk mitigation is not to reduce our risk to zero. It's to have the right amount of risk. Right. Is, am, am I right in saying that? Oh, uh, you, you totally are. Yeah. I mean. You have to have, you know, well, I mean, whatever you just you woke up today, there was some risk while you were sleeping, you know. You could have died while you're sleeping, you know, I mean, there's there's always risk like you're you're awake, you're alive. There's risk. I mean, it's not something you can escape. Um, but is it likely? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Right. And um, you have to ask yourself going back to game theory. Right. Because game theory is really a risk analysis system in a lot of ways. It's about risk analysis. What's the payoff? What's the likelihood just just swag those numbers in your head. They don't need to be accurate, you know, or necessarily off the top of your head. A lot of the time, if you have experience in this area, you're able to get something that's, you know, for the amount of time that you're putting into it, it's okay, right? That Let's take the risk. Let's do a quick, you know, uh, rundown on the banana hammock gift, right? It's like the cost of this is low. 
you know, the if I, I could do this versus giving a different gift and the different gift might be like more useful, but this might, you know, this has a much higher ceiling. If this, if this is funny and, and, you know, everybody buys into it, this will be, this will create a great memory that'll last for decades and decades. Right. So that's right. Part of it is realizing that the utility is so high on if you can create that great experience or memory for people that it, it's okay to take the risk, take the calculated risk, even if the you know, even if there's a 20% chance that it falls flat or something like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think that really is the essence of why you want to take risks and why you don't um, want to be too concerned, you know, about it with with curiosity. Obviously, we're not saying, you know, go and get get crazy, you know, whatever. But you you understand the context, you know. I, I think that, that those that listen to this uh, to this show, like we really, you know, we know that, you know, you get that. Um, you get the proper context for uh, the way curiosity is executed, and and you can just honestly add a lot of vibrancy, you know. Um, you go back and you can listen to our vibrancy episode, basically. Um, but that's, I think this, this curiosity really adds a lot of vibrancy to life. Um, I love your example there, Drew, of the, of the banana hammock thing. I think that was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, when, when you're the person on the receiving end of that, let's go through that for a second. I think that's good. So James Kahn, you know, he's, he really is so busy with his life, uh, you know, that he, he's just kind of like, uh, he dismisses it, right? Um, and he does not let it come to fruition. Um, now, in the banana, uh, banana hammock case, uh, and I'm taking this away from what your story is. Let me spit it back to you and see if I got it right, right? Um, you said the person that received it, you know, ran around. They They basically did the handoff. Like they realized, okay, now this is my turn to now go take a risk and I'm going to go run around with it on uh, and I am going to, you know, be silly and I'm going to perpetuate something else. Right. Uh, and I'm going to bring more joy. So I think that's that's a, a really nice payoff, uh, you know, in the case of, you know, if you look at Elf's example, uh, if it would have worked out now for a movie's sake, obviously it was supposed to fall flat. Like that's 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 the effect. But. I think it's funny is that maybe it's more meta here, but you know, the audience, right. Got the payoff. So, you know, think about it. Um, Oh gosh, that's a old, that's an old thing that I've been trotting out here and I don't think I've ever brought to the wonder tour, but I'll bring it right now because I think it fits perfect in this scenario. So the theory of the creation of comedy, it's this dumb thing that I, came up with working with a few friends oh gosh must have been many years ago at this point but it's the idea it's it's kind of couched in humility but the idea that if people are laughing and it's all in good fun it's good humor even if it's at my expense I'm just gonna enjoy it basically like it because I how many times is the classic example like the Simpsons example of like Homer tripping over the footstool or something like that and everybody laughs because it's just like he's so excited to go do this thing and then the first thing he does you know is he trips over the footstool which is of course foreshadowing that he's going to completely fail in this venture but the theory of the creation of comedy is just like you know what if, if it's funny and it's good for people like people need to laugh it's good for your health to smile to laugh so I don't mind being the butt of jokes sometimes. 
I think that's that's great. I mean, it's that's really the confidence that comes with curiosity and saying, I'm willing to accept the risk. I've projected the risk. It's not that bad if it goes sideways. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is I have a joke that falls flat, you know. And I hate trying to apply the bell curve to myself sometimes, but sometimes I inherently do. I'm like, you know, uh, okay, so today I've fallen flat on 20% of my jokes. That's not too bad. You know, I'll give myself kind of a, <laughs> you know, um, but you can't really, you can't let yourself slip into that too much because honestly, you just, you know, you want to, you, you don't want to create inhibitors. Um, I think inhibitors are things that they, they are thoughts that recur that keep you from taking the risk of being curious in the first place. And um, I think that's, you know, I, I don't know. I hope we touch on this more uh, in the, the second half, but um, you know, in the second half, we're going to talk about how curiosity can be inspiring. And uh, I, I'd like to, uh, to talk a little bit more uh, in that second half about, you know, curiosity being a skill or a gift. Um, you know, I think that's something that you mentioned, Drew, that you really, you really wanted to jump into. Um, yeah, I think we, is, we can wrap right into that here. I mean, that, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. And I, yeah, let's give the, we don't always have the part two all planned out and it definitely isn't all planned out here. Of course, pulling back the veil, <laughs> to be honest with you, you, if you can't tell, we just have rough notes of this, but the part two is going to be about. You know, so how do I be curious in my situation? How do I have inspiring curiosity? Because I feel a lot of time that's the feedback I get is people like, well, I'm not a curious person. So we want to take Buddy the Elf's example and figure out how can we all become more curious? I think that's, you know, I mean, because he, you know, if you look at him, right, I mean, he is just, you know, he, he gets people uh, heading that way. And I think that's just amazing. And, and we need to have that, you know, in our, we got to figure out what that, what that, a little bit of that recipe. I'm not going to say we're going to figure out an exact recipe because we never, we never walk away with a perfect recipe. Um, there's always going to be tweaks in there and and that kind of thing. So, um, so are you good for today then, Drew? I'm good. Let's wrap it. All right. If you guys had anything else uh, that you wanted to add to the conversation on curiosity and the risk of being curious, um, you know, hit us up on Twitter on the wonder tour and next time we're going to be doing second half of elf and we're going to be talking about inspiring curiosity. Also touching on, you know, curiosity, is it a gift or is it a skill? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. And with that, uh, remember all who wonder are not lost. We'll see you next time.